I'm super excited about wrapping this. This series has been fun, but we're going to wrap it up next week. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's not for everybody. Next week's message, I'm going to go ahead and give you permission not to show up because it's only for a certain group of people. And that certain group of people is anyone who has ever had a hard time forgiving somebody else. If you've never had a hard time forgiving somebody else, then you don't have to come. And by the way, I'd like to talk to you after the message today to figure out how you did it or what drug you're on. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's one of those. But next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness and how essential that is. And the week after, we're going to start a brand new series called Fake News. I cannot wait. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. That's all I'm going to tell you, but it's going to be so much fun. Anyway, I've um, had the privilege of traveling all over the United States. I've, I've been in just about every state. And I would have to say that one of, the, one of the best parts about living in the South, specifically South Carolina, is I feel like we do food better than anywhere in the United States. I think food-wise, food, food wise, we've got it down. We're also the unhealthiest state. Well, not, I mean, thank God for Mississippi. Um, if it wasn't for Mississippi, we would be, and some of you are like, are you worried about people from Mississippi? They don't have the internet. So, so but if it wasn't for Mississippi... We, wouldn't, we, we would be the unhealthiest place, but, but we do. We, we have good, awesome, unhealthy food. We fry things. We put sugar in our tea like God intended for it to be. We have cornbread. We have collard greens, um, but you put fat back in collard greens. I mean, we, we figure out a way to take healthy stuff and make it bad. However, 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 one of my favorite things living in the South, growing up, even till this day, has always been on a really, really hot summer day, like we've been experiencing for the past 18 weeks. Dear God, we're on hell's front porch right now, aren't we? But on a hot summer day, there's nothing quite like an ice-cold watermelon. What y'all think I was going to say? <laughs> anyway, I know where y'all's mind went. So, which is okay, but, but I love watermelon. I always have loved watermelon. I now... I got freaked out for a little while. I don't know if you went through this as a kid, but my dad used to tell me if you ate a seed, you remember that, the, 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 that would grow out your ear? So that kind of had me all freaked out for a little bit. But, but I love watermelon. I lo now, now, let me pause. Don't bring me a watermelon to church next week, okay? I don't, I, I'm not asking for a watermelon. I get my watermelon at Publix where they chop it up already. And some of you are like, that ain't, that's the easy way. Yes, it is the easy way. You can tell if it's, it's right. And don't judge me because I, went, I, went, I bought some last night because I love watermelon. Now, I was thinking about that, though, this week. I was throwing down on some watermelon. I was thinking about this week. When I was a kid, my dad decided one summer to do a garden, and, and that it went horrible. Like, just about everything went horrible, except for the, the, the thing with the watermelon. He, I told him I wanted to plant some watermelon. So we went down to a little seed store, and, and we bought some watermelon seed plant things, whatever, and I paid for it, with, which really his money, but, like, I paid for it with my money. And then, um, and then we bought some, like, watermelon dirt, which, by the way, let me stop. How great is America that you can sell dirt to people and make money? Hey, you got some dirt for that watermelon? No. You're going to, okay, watermelon dirt. So we bought some watermelon dirt, and we put it on watermelon, and, and we dug it. My dad told me how to do the work, but I did the work, and he told me how to water it. And, and, like, to nurture it and, and to weed, like, all the, all the stuff to do with watermelon, he told me. This was my, my dad was Google when I was growing up, okay? So, so I planted the watermelon the, the one day. The next morning, can't make this up, this morning I got up and went down, and I was super disappointed. 
because there was no, there was nothing. I, not, I didn't really expect like a big watermelon, but maybe a little watermelon, or at least some, something growing through the ground. But there was nothing. And so I went to breakfast, and my dad was like, what's wrong? I was like, well, there's nothing, there's nothing growing in the water. It's just a complete waste of time. And he, like, busted out laughing. He was like, son, it's going to take some time. And I was like, well, how, do, you, do you have an estimate? Like, I mean, like two or three days? He was like, nah, it's probably going to take a month or two. And to me, my, I just crushed all my hopes and dreams. Because I was used to getting things a little bit more immediate. Like, in today's society, we, we can have access to just about anything with this thing right here. And, 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 but no, notice sometime, anytime we're reading through the scriptures, all of the growth metaphors are always agricultural. Which means it happens, but it doesn't happen on our timetable. It happens on God's timetable, which is a better timetable, by the way. So I, I'm stuck with these watermelon things, and I'm, I'm mad. Because I'm like, I've wasted my time, wasted my money. Wasted, I'm going down. After a week, no watermelon. After two weeks, no watermelon, no green, no, no anything. I got so mad one time because my dad told me, you water the plants, water the plants, water the plants. One day I just went down and I peed on the garden because I was just mad. I just peed on it. I did. Don't judge me. And he was like, did you water the garden? I was like, well, technically I did. Um, and I was so angry about it until one day, finally, I went down and I saw that, that the seed had broke through and there was some, there was some green. I got kind of excited about this. I went back and told my dad, and I will forget my dad telling me. He said, son, here's what you need to know about planting a garden. Whatever you put in the ground, you're going to get more out of it than you put into it. You're, you're, in other words, Perry, you're going to get at least three watermelon back and then some. I know you put three seed in the ground, but you're going to get back more and then some. And I never will forget, I never will forget him telling me, and then some, because in my mind, the math said three watermelon in the ground, three watermelon out of the ground. But that's not the way it worked out. I think we wound up pulling eight or nine watermelons out of that garden. And, and that, it just kind of, I've, I've never forgotten that because there are people in this room or there are people watching online that you feel maybe about your life, specifically your life with Christ, like I felt about that watermelon garden. You feel like maybe, you know what, I have wasted my time, I have wasted my effort, I have wasted my money, I have wasted my hope, I've invested all of this stuff in a relationship with Jesus, and what have I gotten out of it? Nothing. There's nothing to show for it. There's, there's nothing good coming out of what I invested in. And I believe that God told me today to let somebody know, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, that you're going to get back everything you've put into it and then some. Because anytime we receive something back from God, we always receive something more than what we actually put in. And that's what we're going to talk about today, specifically in regards to this guy we've been talking about named Joseph. I want to make three main points today about Joseph's life, and I want us to kind of figure out how this applies to our own lives. Number one, Joseph, he lost his position, but he got it back, and then some. He lost his position. Now, for those, I just want to, just a quick survey to see who's been paying attention. Joseph had 12 brothers, 
in the ranking system, Joseph ranked number what? Okay, 11. Yeah, wasn't real enthusiastic. No, he's 11. No, no, I mean, say it with confidence. 11, yeah. He was number 11 out of 12. Now, we're hopefully, hopefully getting ready to have college football. Dear God. And I'm asking Jesus, if you're not going to let us have college football, go ahead and do the rapture. Okay? Like, I just, just take me out. Just, I want to go. But, but, but I can guarantee you, there is not a college football coach in the United States that has gotten in front of his team and said, guys, 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 this year, the goal is number 11. If we could just finish number 11 in the nation, we're going to get posters, we're number 11. We're going to tell our fans to go, we're number 11. Like, nobody would be happy with number 11. Well, I mean, let's be honest, South Carolina probably happy with number 11. They'd probably be happy to be ranked, but... but <laughs> Y'all knew it was coming, didn't you? Y'all knew it was coming. It's just so easy. But, but nobody would be sad, especially especially if there were 12 teams in the tournament. Like if you entered a team and there were 12 teams, if you entered a tournament, there were 12 teams and you're number 11. Like nobody's happy about that. But if you're trying to be an optimist and you're trying to find something good, at least you can say, well, there was one person that I was better than. I mean, I, I, might, I might have been number 11, but I wasn't number 12. Benjamin was number 12. I mean, I, I, I'm number 11. But he lost it. He lost his position. And it actually, it wasn't, it wasn't that he lost it. He, he had it kind of taken from him, didn't he? Remember, his brothers kind of beat him up, threw him in a pit. That, talk about a bad day. So he lost his position. But then, but then he got to Potiphar's house. And remember, he worked his way up in Potiphar's house, but then Potiphar's wife was thirsty. Remember we talked about that last week? And she kind of she came on him and, and made up a story about him. Then he, get th- he got thrown in position. He lost his position in Potiphar's house. And then he gets to prison, and he works his way up in prison until he becomes um, really good friends with one of the king's right-hand men. And one of the king's right-hand, that, that same guy, the cupbearer, eventually got his job back, but he forgot about Joseph. All through the story, Joseph keeps getting in position and then losing it. All through the story, it seems like Joseph is going like two steps forward, three steps back. One step forward, five steps back. Has anybody ever felt like that specifically in your walk with Jesus? It's like, I'm trying this Christianity thing. I'm trying it out, but I'm going one step forward, and I'm going two steps back. I'm going two steps forward. I'm going eight steps back. It just seems like we can't get ahead We keep losing our position. And let me tell you what's dangerous about this. When we lose our position, we put ourselves in the prison of self-pity. Have you ever thrown yourself a pity party? Don't, don't, don't. See, when I say stuff like that, like half the people in the room are honest and the other half, y'all look at me like y'all ain't never sinned. Like your only problem this morning was that your halo was crooked. Don't look at me like that. Walking up in here and I talk about something, you give me fart face right off the bat. <laughs> Have you ever thrown yourself a pity party? Yes or no? Yeah. And you get mad when other people won't come to your party. You're feeling all sorry for yourself, and somebody comes up to you, what's wrong? Nothing. 
That, but the me, for me, if, you, if I walk up to you and you, I say, what's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm like, all right, I just keep walking. <laughs> Something was wrong. Well, you, then you lied to me. You're a liar. <laughs> no, I mean, no, that's, sorry. <laughs> Getting close to 50, I'm telling y'all, it's going to get real. It's going to get real. But, but Joseph lost his position. He kept losing his position. But then, remember Pharaoh, had, remember we left off last week, Pharaoh had this dream. Had, by, by the way, let me pause. Anytime you, you fall into a pity party, anytime you, you fall into that progression of self-pity, God's not going to use that. God's not going to use that. Joseph, even though he kept losing his position, never began the process of self-pity. Because self-pity always leads to self-doubt. And self-doubt always leads to to like negative self-talk. And once we get caught in that cycle, it's really tough to get out. Joseph just kind of kept saying, I'm going to make the best out of this. I'm going to make the best out of this. So Pharaoh had a dream. We left off with this last week. And it freaked him out. He couldn't interpret it. So he brought all his guys in and said, this is my dream. And all of them were like, yeah, man, we don't, we don't know. And the, and the cupbearer said, well, I met this guy in prison um, named Joseph, and he can interpret the dream, and Pharaoh's like, well, go get him. So they bring Joseph in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells Joseph the dream, and Joseph's like, oh, yeah, 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 this is what that means. He's like, um, you're, we're about to have seven years of plenty. But in other words, we're going to have a lot of food. And after that, there's going to be seven years of famine. And, and, and so that's what the dream means. Now, Joseph was in a position. All through the story, he had been put in bad position after bad position, after bad position, after bad position. But all of a sudden, he winds up standing in front of Pharaoh. In other words, he realized, you know what? I'm in a real unique position here. Nobody was saying anything. So Joseph spoke up and he said, therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Now, I want to pause. This was a bold statement because somebody could have said, I'm sorry. Did somebody ask you to speak? Like, what, what's, that, what's that smell? Is it, is, it, is it dungeon? You smell like dungeon. Have you been in the dungeon? Like, who are you to be even speaking up in this moment? But Jesus was like, you know what? Nobody else is going to speak up. I'm going to speak up because he was in the position to speak up. He said, I, I just think we should find somebody smart. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it there so it will be, there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. In other words, Joseph was like, listen, if nobody else is going to speak up, I'm going to speak up. So he, because he was in the position to speak up. Now, watch what happens, because he wasn't expecting this. It, isn't it funny that God's greatest blessings often come at times when we don't expect them to show up? Like we're just not even looking for them. I love that. So this is what happened. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Pause. Remember what we said last week? What would you be willing to do if you absolutely knew that God was with you? See, Joseph just knew that God was with him. 
there was this sort of confidence, not arrogance, but confidence. And Pharaoh saw it, and he was like, you know what? This guy's got something on him that we don't have. So he's like, where can we? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. In other words, my people are now your people. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. This is where we see Joseph. He lost his position at the family table. He lost his position in Potiphar's house. He lost his position in prison. But all of a sudden, we see him get it back. And when he got it back, it was and then some. Because he didn't get moved from number 11 to number 8. Or he didn't retain his position in Potiphar's house as a slave. He didn't retain his place in prison as a prisoner. He got put second in command over the entire, na- uh, over the entire land of Egypt. And this is why when God gives it back, he always gives it back greater than what we lost to begin with. Somebody here needs to understand that even though you feel like you've taken two steps forward and five steps back, you're getting ready to get it back, and you're going to get it back in greater ways than you ever imagined because God always gives us immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine, which leads to number two. He lost his covering. He got it back. And then some. Now, this part right here, this, this, part, this part is the part that blew my mind when I saw it. it. In fact, it caused me to think back many, many moons ago to the 11th grade. I was in the 11th grade. And there used to be this thing. We, we couldn't wait. Today, it still happens. Have you, have you ever heard of, of pantsing someone? You know what this is? Yeah, pantsing. Yeah, d- don't do it um, here. But, but it's mostly guys. Guys would do this to guys. If you call somebody wearing sweatpants. Now, when I went to school, we couldn't wear shorts. We couldn't wear shorts. And if you did wear shorts, you had to wear them below the knees because obviously the kneecaps were like a major trigger for people. Did you see her kneecaps? Woo, dog, she got some kneecaps. Anyway, so, so we kept those kneecaps covered because you never know what happens when you see kneecaps. Um, so you could just wear it like sweatpants, and I like wearing loose clothes. I just like, when I'm lounging around, I just don't need everything all tied up on me, so I'm just trying to wear loose clothes, so I'm at school, I'm wearing some sweatpants. I can tell you where I was standing in the Eastland High School lunchroom. I could tell you who I was talking to. I could tell you who did it. Preach about forgiveness next week. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> but, but I'm standing there talking to this girl. I think she was in on it. Two guys came up behind me. One guy held my arms, and the other one dropped my pants. I was wearing sweatpants. Dropped my pants to my ankles and went, "Woo!" And everybody in the lunchroom goes, thank God we didn't have social media. And it answered the question for everybody. Boxers or tidy whities It just answered. I'm not telling y'all. It answered the question for everybody. It was that I lost my covering, and it was embarrassing. It really was, which takes me to this story. Joseph lost his covering. He did. There's a, there's a verse about it. Remember when he go, his father sent, to check, sent him to check on his brothers? And Joseph goes to his brothers. And the Bible says, so when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Now, I think, I think we made a bigger deal out of this robe than, than it I mean, let's be honest with you. I don't think it's that special. I mean, yeah, it's nice and had a lot of colors and given to him by his father. But 
but I've been to the Middle East. It's hot. Like, it's hot. And they didn't have washing machines. And they didn't have deodorant. So I'm just kind of throwing it out there. How do you think this robe smelled after about a month or two? Like middle school boy. That's what, that's what it smelled like right there, right? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. You're going to offend the middle school boy. They're all asleep right now. They're all asleep. They're all asleep. I mean, it, it probably didn't smell that, but, but it was still important to him. And he lost his covering. And he's in a pit, completely naked. This is the condition that we all know as shame. There are people in this room that have experienced or are experiencing shame on so many levels. You, something was covering up what you were dealing with, but you lost the covering. And you know what? When you lost the covering, you lost the marriage. You lost the engagement. You lost the job. You lost the reputation because people found out you were an addict. People found out you had anxiety. People found out you were drowning in depression. And you lost your covering. And you know when you lose your covering, it's so shameful. Because it's more than guilt. Guilt says that's what you did. Shame says that's who you are. And when we get shackled with shame, we can't move. And there are so many people here are watching online that are shackled with shame. The covering is gone. Reputation is ruined. You just think there's no way I'll ever recover from this. Hey, listen, I understand that place way better than I wish I did. But you know what? It may be what you did. It may be what happened to you. But in Christ, it's not who you are. Amen. And Amen. Even, even if you lost your covering, you're going to get it back. And then some. You know how I know? I, I'm telling y'all, I, I, had, I had a charismatic moment. At my kitchen table when I saw this. If I'd have had a tambourine, I'd have wore that thing out. <laughs> Everybody laugh knows what I'm talking about. You go to a charismatic church, they all breaking out tambourines. I'm like, what the what? Anyway, watch this with me. Watch this with me now. Watch this. Watch this. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful, say this word on three, one, two, three. Robe. robe. He had a robe. That's all he had. He had a robe. It's a beautiful robe, but it was a robe. It was his covering. He lost his covering. But then Pharaoh. Like gives him all the like all the accolades and stuff. Watch what happens. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in. He lost a robe. He got back robes. He lost a robe. It, it's okay if it takes a minute to sink in. He lost a robe. He got back 
robes. I mean, he, he got, if, if this one was stinking and smelling, he could just take it off and he had a, he not, he, not, not only did he get back robe, but he got, he got a signet ring and then he got a chain put, so not only, he, he got a robe and he was dripping at the same time, all right? I mean, Joseph, if you don't know what dripping is, ask your grandchild, they'll totally explain it to you. I didn't know what it was, so I walked off stage and I had a friend walk up to me after our service and said, you're dripping today. I was like, I'm sorry, I, I sweat. It's bad. They're like, no, no, that means anyway, anyway. So I had to have that explained to me. But he got back. He he lost his robe. He got back robes. How does that apply to us? Listen, I know what it's like to lose your covering. I know what it's like to go through embarrassment. I know what it's like to live in the shackles of shame. But you know what? You you lost your covering, but God's gonna give you back robes, robes of hope. Robes of peace, robes of joy, robes of knowing that he is the God that restores anyone and anything and can do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. So you might have lost your covering, but you're going to get it back. And then some. Which leads to number three. Which leads to number three. Which leads to number three. He lost his dreams. He got it back. And then some. Have you ever had a weird dream? Anybody in here have a weird dream? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't, I have weird dreams all the time. I've, I've dreamed about running down a hill for Clemson. I did. I dreamed that one time. I was like, I dreamed that. It was so awesome. I woke up. I was like, yeah, that didn't happen. I, but, but I dreamed it. And I get, phone, now, let me pause. Most of the phone calls and emails I get, I don't want everyone to say, are incredibly positive. Like text messages and stuff. Most of the stuff, I only talk about like some of the weird, but every once in a while, somebody will call me and say, Pastor Pete, I had a dream. I'm like, stop. I don't know what it meant. I had a lady call me one time. I was like, I had a dream. I was talking to Kermit the Frog. I won't stop. Stop. I don't know anything about Kermit the Frog. He's not even in the Bible, all right? So I don't even know where this is going. But we've all had crazy dreams. And then, and then, not just those dreams. Have you ever had a dream in your heart that you wanted to, to do more than you're currently doing? Yeah. I mean, have you ever gotten home and sat down and thought, life has to have more meaning than this right here. I mean, we, we got dreams. And, and Joseph, Joseph had dreams. Now, here, here's what you got to know. You got to be careful who you share your dreams with. Because somebody that has no dream will always talk you out of your dream. I, I promise you. This is what I want. Ah, you can't do that. Okay. But let me, let me just say this and I move on. Never listen to somebody who's not pursuing their dream talk you out of the dream that God put in your heart. Because God put a dream in Joseph's heart. Now, now let's be honest. Joseph could have gone about it a better way in regards to the way he presented the dream. But he was 17. And he was a little bit self-centered. So, so the way he presented the dream, I can see if you're one of the older brothers, you probably got a little offended. Because let's, let's just kind of review it real quick. Um, one night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. And, and don't judge his brothers, because watch what he said. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. In other words, he said, this is my dream. All you fools bow, bowed down to me. What do y'all think? Like, no, nobody's going, man, that's the most awesome thing ever. We want to bow down to you. You're amazing. In fact, they got kind of mad about it. His, his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? 
do you actually think you will reign? Oh, I mean, like, okay, hold on, hold on, for real. You think that we are going to bow down to you? Not only did they not believe in his dream, they did everything possible to try to make it not come true. Sold him into slavery. Figured, we're done with that guy. But it took Joseph some time to figure out that the dream that God put in his heart wasn't about making Joseph great. The dream that God put in Joseph's heart was about proving that God was great. And it wasn't about people serving Joseph. It was about Joseph serving other people for the greatness of God. The, the dream that God has placed in your heart will always bless and benefit other people. Always. All, Jesus, his life, always blessed and benefited other people. So, Joseph gets sold into slavery. The whole thing happens. He goes in front of Pharaoh. He gets his robes and his ring and his necklace, and he's dripping. And all, like, great things are happening. And, and, and then the seven years of famine come. When the seven years of famine come, people in Egypt start starving. And not only do people in Egypt start starving, but, but the people up in the land where Israel is today. Jacob, Joseph's father and his brothers, the famine hit that area too. And scripture says that Jacob looked at his sons and said, why are y'all still here? Go down to Egypt and get us some food. Because they knew there was food in Egypt. So jo Joseph's brothers, Joseph's brothers went down to Egypt. Now, real quick, just think for a second. What was Joseph's dream? That his brothers would bow down to him? Huh. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. And when they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. And he remembered the dreams he had had about them many years before. Oh, he, he lost his dream, but he got it back. And then some. Because this wasn't about saving Joseph and him becoming somebody great. This was about saving the world. Which is why when God says in Joel 2.25, I'll give you back what you lost. He'll give it back. And then some. So I don't know who you are today. And I don't know what you've lost. But I know that we serve a God of grace and restoration and forgiveness and mercy. And he will bring it back. So will you stand with me for prayer? Father, I want to say right now in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. 
Father, I want to pray for the person or the people here in this room that feel like, God, they are just losing it or they've lost it. Wasted time, wasted energy, wasted effort in a relationship with you. God, that you would let them know just like that seed under the ground that you're working. Even when we don't see it, you're working. And even when we don't feel it, you're working. And you're still great. And your greatness is greater than the pain that we're going through. Father, there's no one, there's nothing greater than you. And we can celebrate that in our hearts. There is nothing greater than you. And because there's nothing greater and there's nothing better, God, we're going to get it back. We're going to get it back. And then some. We're going to get it back and then some. And right now, we just want to declare that, God, there's nothing better than you.